Hey parents, Tim Wright here along with Dr. Michael Gurian for our second week in a row special edition looking at uh, issues surrounding the coronavirus pandemic that has impacted all of us all around the world. It doesn't matter where you live right now, we're all dealing with this. And we want to bring you today some insights in how to keep your kids' brains engaged. And I know there's a lot of stuff going on in your homes. We talked a little bit about this last week when we uh, shared a special edition on how to keep parents sane. But I know many of you parents right now, you're working out of your homes. You're also having to be the teachers for your kids, even though some of them are doing some online stuff. You have to be the physical education teachers, the doctors and the nurses. You're doing it all right now. And one of the big concerns I know we all have, particularly if this thing goes on for a while, is how to keep our kids' brains engaged. Uh, Last week, Michael talked about uh, some of the concerns that we have with people uh, gaining a lot of weight, getting out of shape during this time, and we don't want the same thing to happen to our kids' brains. We want to keep them in shape. And so I've got, uh, as always, our good friend, Dr. Michael Gurian with us. Michael, so glad to have you here today. Tim, thank you so much. And uh, parents, thank you for tuning in, and uh, we just want to share with you some things that you can do. You're already doing many of them, but some things that you can do to keep your kids' brains engaged. So, Michael, let's start again, big picture. What are some initial thoughts that you have about kids and their brains during a sheltered in home, and and then we'll tease those out. Yeah, I um, I, I think in some ways parents might be thinking, especially because they're having to do so much schoolwork from home. They might be thinking, well, my kids' brains are very engaged, right? Because they're they're doing all this, um, and uh, in in that way, they are. I mean, they they're definitely seeing their kids with engaged brains more than they would when the child was in school, right? When the child was in school, parents are doing something else; they're not seeing it, and now they are seeing it, and so so it it can seem like, oh, the child's very engaged, and he or she might well be. At the same time, we are seeing, I'm already getting email and people talking about how hard it is, parents saying, it's hard to motivate my kids to do this schoolwork. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to engage them in the schoolwork or or they're doing it. And I don't really know that it's all getting through. You know, they're, they're um, uh, kind of, their eyes are glazing. <laughs> so, so the I'm going to divide engagement into two different things. One is engagement in the work and the schoolwork, and then the other is engagement, you know, when not in the school format, right? When not in that specific learning format. And so, as we talk today, I'm going to kind of look at both areas, and I'll, I'll, um, I'll start with in the school format while kids are doing their schoolwork. Um, to keep those brains engaged in that schoolwork, it is, it is important, and this is especially true of the males, it is important for those boys to be moving around. Um, the basic Gurian Institute strategies, you know, that we, we teach in the schools, we also teach to parents when the kids are doing homework. Well, now the parent is homework and schoolwork. And these are basic movement strategies. Uh, uh, female brain can sit there for much longer periods of time, a lot of reasons we've talked about in earlier podcasts, um, and just sit there and do the homework and the worksheets and and glaze, you know, uh, glare into the screen, um, uh, doing general schoolwork. Uh, uh, It's still good for them to get up and move around. But um, for a lot of boys, 
they it looks like they're engaged, but they're really not once they hit about 20 to 30 minutes of sitting there staring into that screen, doing whatever are the, the things they're supposed to do. So get them moving around um, uh, so that they can kind of get their brains, you know, more blood flow going, have them run around the block, have them do whatever you can do in your area to move around. Um, and even while they're doing their work, have them sitting on, uh, ha- have standing desks if you can, or have them sitting on wobbly chairs or um, uh, squeezing a Nerf ball in their in their non-writing hand or, you know, whatever they can do, have them do these things so that especially these male brains stay engaged and learn the stuff that they're looking at um, because all brains at a certain point, uh, you know, need need a break and then need to um, to re-engage. Uh, but male brains have particular issues with that that, that are going to s- continue in the home just like they continue in school. Um, uh, so that would be one area and another area would be rest states. Let, let them at between 20 and 30 minutes or whenever they need it. Some tasks, they could be project-driven, and they could be into that one task for two hours and really not need a rest state because it's so project-driven. It's so hands-on. Okay, fair enough. But if they're staring at the screen or, or writing, um, uh, you know, then let them go to a rest state, which is where they just for five minutes, uh, you know, shut their brains off and um, uh, just lie down or stare at something else that has that isn't work, you know, so that their brains go to a rest state and then recharge and come back to work. So those are good strategies for all kids. They're going to be especially important for keeping males uh, motivated uh, through this kind of homeschooling format. One of the things that you we talked about in the last podcast was how important it is to get outside, and I, I know we'll talk more about that. Mm-hmm. But as I'm thinking through a, a typical school day now that parents are having to manage with their kids, some of that will be happening online, but, but some of that they'll be doing on their own. What would you say is a good ballpark for um, sitting, doing homework, and then getting up and taking a recess? An hour? an hour and a half, two hours. I know it depends on kid to kid, but a ballpark of how often kids should get a brain break uh, when they're studying. Okay, that's what I was just talking about, where the brain breaks. Yeah, but, so but every, how... Every 20 yeah. to 30 minutes. Okay, so so if a, if a, a student is uh, working on the homework for 20 minutes, then it's time for a brain break versus, say, an hour, if possible. Well, well, I mean, an hour is fine, too. Every, every parent is going to study their child, right? Everyone's a citizen yeah. scientist. They already know their child. Like, they can see when their child is glazing over. And so definitely need a brain break. Um, if you're talking about like a formal recess, which is a good thing too. Yes. Um, yeah. The, I, I think I think that um, uh, I, I'd love to see more recess rather than less. So so um, uh, I would I would think hour, every hour to two hours, depending on whether it's project driven. Um, and I'll talk about, I can talk about that in a moment. But if it's that kind of worksheet type stuff, on the internet stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I would love to see every hour to two hours, let's make sure they're they're moving around and let's be moving around, free play, running around, whatever it is, you know, for, for 10 to 15 minutes, depending on their age group. Um, uh, and then you could add that to the every 20 minutes or so, just taking a couple minutes. Yeah. Uh, you know, just really focus on that movement. And if you need to have a ritualized recess, fair enough, go for it. 
Yeah, I guess I guess the my my question was thinking through what we talked about last week in the podcast was about structures and rhythm. And mm. kids have a certain rhythm at school. They do this, they do this, they move to this, they do to that, they have the recess here. And is that kind of a, a, a daily rhythm uh, with these brain breaks and recesses built in? Is is that a good structure for parents to create with their kids so that every day kids sort of know what's coming? Yeah, overall, overall structure and routine are are good for the growing brain and they're good in a crisis you know i mean their structure and routine are good so um so what the parents are gonna probably figure out though is so school may have been eight to three let's say but maybe that doesn't fit the work schedules and so maybe now school is gonna occur you know um I don't know, one to six, mm-hmm. right? And so so it's wherever the parents put the structure in, yes, they ought to have that structure. And um, it's going to still be flexible, though. You know, because we're in this crisis situation, because parents are working from home, um, uh, uh, the, there's going to have to be some flexibility. But the target should be what's a structure that we can make work Um you know, and and so let's say that structure is nine to three. Then, if that's the structure, then let's stick to that structure, and um, as much as possible. Um, but but let's put into the structure some project driven learning, like much more project driven learning than maybe was happening in the school. Yeah. Um, because uh, you know, schools the the whole situation of trying to figure out what kids are learning. Um, is now, at least for this semester, right? For most schools, it's going to be the rest of this school year is, is um, uh, you know, going to be done at home. And so um, so there isn't going to be testing, right? Standardized testing, we're not going to do this spring, um, uh, according to the federal government. So that's not going to happen. So, so our sense of how kids are learning and what they're learning, some of that's still done online with the teacher who's engaged. Uh, but some of it is, is just going to be on the parents, um, to, to figure it out. And um, one of the things that I think parents will figure out is that the more project-driven the learning is, the more it takes an hour or two to do a full project as opposed to a few minutes to do a worksheet, uh, the kids are learning more um, and retaining more from the project. So um, uh, exception to this will be reading. You know, reading should be ritualized every day, you know, like every child should be reading an hour or more a day that that that's for everyone everyone's got to read right that's good um but other things are going to be done like like chem like what used to be science we're now we now we do with projects with with chemistry sets or or building something in the backyard or building something in the basement um and and that project driven learning that could spill out beyond the structure uh, and parents could start finding that, and just Google project-driven learning. I, of course, have a lot about this in my books, but folks can Google project-driven learning to see what I mean. Um, as that spills over, that could take into later in the day, yeah. and the athletics could go you know, a little later. Um, or if school is one to six, of course, then that's where the projects happen, and the athletics go in the morning. Um, uh, all of that can be part of the structure. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. 
Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. So you have uh, recently written a blog uh, and uh, you've got 10 points uh, that I think speak to this topic. And I want to walk through some of those points with you. Uh, and some we'll talk about more than others, um, but but all of these are, are just excellent ways to keep kids' brains engaged. Uh, the first one we've already talked about a little bit, that kids need routine and structure, because the brains need these, but they also need flexibility. And um, I, you have a little line there that says, pick your battles. Talk about that. Yeah, right. Yeah, because, because you know, there... Yes, the brain loves structure, but but uh, in a situation like this, and, and in, in any situation, you know, we parents have to have the wisdom to be flexible with our kids to see where flexibility is needed. And in this situation, with the parents' flex schedules and so on, they're going to have to have flexibility. The the pick your battles is okay if you set a structure, and you know, here's the structure, and I, I'm going to just pick the nine to three school structure. I'm going to pick nine to one because I think most families are not doing six hours. So (laughs) let's say it's nine to one. Um, If that's the structure you've picked, but, but you know, one part of that, the child is totally just rebelling against, um, just pick your battle on that one. You know, you probably let go of that one and, and the child can do that some other time. Like, let's say you have said you, you know, the structure is you read from 10 to 11 and, and, um, the child's battling that. Well, then you, you let go of that one, but they read in the evening because maybe they prefer reading in the evening. Okay, let go of that structure. So you can let go of certain parts of the structure and be flexible um, uh, and pick your battles. But but don't lose contact with the fact that especially for learning activity, like schooling at home, that structure is still important. One of the big questions I know that you have been asked, and I see it on our our uh, Wonder of Parenting Facebook pages. What do we do now with screen time? Kids are on the screens now for school. Uh, it's an easy way to sort of let everybody chill out uh, and uh, you know watch a movie together. Let the kids watch movies. Um, and you 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 know have some pretty good guidelines about screen time and the amount of screen time. What do you say now in in these uh, very interesting days? Yeah. Um, so for for parents of girls, um, the minds of girls is the latest book, uh, and really now even more than ever, it's a very helpful book on raising girls. has has some of what I'm going to say, but even more on screen time for girls and female brain. 
And then saving our sons for boys, a lot uh, on our screen time in the male brain. Um, uh, so those are good resources. Uh, I would there isn't time to kind of market for every age group right now, which I do do in those books. Um, uh, so I'm going to pick a couple age groups. I'm going to pick, let's say, a seven-year-old. So so we have a seven-year-old now who is spending um, uh, maybe two to four hours in front of a screen, maybe, because doing schooling through the screen and, and um, uh, then trying to keep up with the teacher engagement through the screen with the child, et cetera, et cetera. So two to four hours. Let's say that's the case for a seven-year-old. Um, the two-hour mark, okay, um, uh, you know, we would rather not see that, but okay. Uh, but then if we add, if we add another hour or two of other stuff, you know, like we add a Disney movie, there's another hour and a half, and then somehow it just ends up, parents are watching TV, so now the child's going to watch TV with the parents. That's another hour and a half. Um, or parents have to work, and so they put that child in front of TV or screen, uh, iPad, et cetera, for you know, a couple hours while they get work done. So now that has gone up to between four and six hours. And even in this crisis, when the kids have to do homeschooling, that's still not good for that brain. And... Um, you know, so what we have to do with digital monitoring, digital activity, and screen time is start with the amount that they have to spend for educational, and then if that amount is already at the limits we have set, having learned about the, the dangers of excessive screen time, if that amount is already, you know, there, then we have to curtail uh, most of the other screen time. If that amount is not there yet, then, you know, we can have the other screen time. So now if we jump to a 12-year-old, um, you know, here's a 12-year-old. That 12-year-old's probably spending three at least hours doing education on the screen and maybe more. And then that 12-year-old, uh, uh, with girls, they tend more toward social media and smartphones. Boys tend more toward video games. So I'll use both examples. These can cross over. But let's say now this boy then wants to play an hour or two of video games um, you know, and then maybe by 12 also has a smartphone. So that means an hour or two. Whenever you have a smartphone, you always figure your kid's brain is an hour or two looking at the smartphone, maybe playing video games through the smartphone. You know, so now this has gotten to be eight hours. Very dangerous for that brain. So we have to start with the baseline number and amount for education, which is required during this crisis. And then we're going to have to titrate out some of the other stuff. And, and the basic elements still exist. No smartphone for kids until they're 13 or 14 for all the brain pruning reasons we've talked about. You know, no video games on a school night. Um, uh, all that stuff still applies. Uh, and and, and it, it may be even more important that we cut some of that out if they're spending all this other time on the screen. And parents will say, I mean, I've already engaged with parents on this who will say, well, you know, I, I know you're right. <laughs> They'll say, however, uh, you know, not possible. I have to get work done. Um, I need to kid my, keep my kids occupied. And so, and and depending on the age of the child, for the 12-year-old, we don't have to fall back on that because a 12-year-old can occupy himself. He can play. He can um, uh, talk on the phone to his friends. He can go outside and play. He can build something. Uh, you know, now a five to seven-year-old, you know, maybe needs more occupying and more supervision. Um, uh, but depending on the age of the child, th these kids can take care of each other. 
And if it's an only child, it's harder. But if you have multiple kids, then they go somewhere else while you're working and they engage each other and um, they play with each other. Uh, this is how it was done, right, from the beginning of time. And so I'm always wanting to say to parents, this is not new that parents were working and kids had to stay occupied. Um, what's new is that kids now stay occupied via screens. Um, but they didn't used to. They occupied each other and and they took care of each other and they engaged each other. So if you have multiple kids, I think that is easier than if you have a single, you know, one kid. Is all screen time screen time? So is there a difference between interactive screen time that I'm doing as a student versus the, the passive screen time when I'm watching a film or a Disney show? Uh, or, or does just being on the screen, regardless of what it is, have that same impact? Well, the screen impacts, so it's a both end. So, so spending four hours engaging with your teacher and other people interactively through the screen is still the screen. Um, that is more interactive than uh, a three-year-old playing a game on your iPad. You know, I mean, the three-year-old playing the game on the iPad is probably more dangerous for that brain than the 12-year-old interacting with others over a period of an hour or two via the screen. So so the interacting, talking to grandma and grandpa, let's say, um, via the screen and all of that, that is, is not as deleterious as, you know, that young brain um, and those, you know, those pieces of the game moving so fast in color on that screen. Um, that's going to probably call, cause more damage than um, the child interacting. And one of the reasons that the interacting is better, um, and you can sort of allow, be flexible and allow a little more time for that, is that interacting is engaging other parts of the brain in, um, in helpful ways, like emotive parts of the brain, right? You have an emotional experience talking to your grandma or grandpa. So there's there's stuff going on or your teacher is engaging with you and you have an insight while you're engaging with your class on the screen and that insight you know triggers dopamine and all sorts of good things happen so so yes this kind of interactive stuff is better um uh but i i still wouldn't want you know that 12 year old to have six hours right uh, that's still going to be that's still going to be because because the harm remember we i know we've said this to folks before the harm the harm is not just that they're staring into the screen, and so it's it's narrowing the way their brains are working. It's not building certain parts of the brain you want built. Um, it's cutting off development in certain centers, you know, because you're just staring into that screen. It's not only that. It's that while you're spending the six hours, and your child is spending the six hours in front of the screen, your child is not doing the other things that are good for that brain, like moving around, like building something with his or her hands, um, uh, which are actually more important for brain development than is staring into the screen. I am going to post your blog onto our Wonder of Parenting Facebook page here um, so that people can dig deeper into the good stuff that you have there. There's two more points that I want to get at from your blog. Uh, we talked uh, about this in the last podcast uh, we've touched on a little bit, but just how important getting out into nature is for our kids, for their brains, for their emotional well-being, for their sanity. Yeah. Um, so nature, the brain came from nature. The brain needs nature, you know, uh, true of all ages, 
Um, so, so that, you know, I really would love to see parents be thinking about their kids right now and thinking two hours out in nature every day. How do I make that happen? <laughs> and now I've got the kids all day. They're not doing, they're not at school six hours and then maybe doing sports indoors, playing basketball for two hours. That's eight hours indoors. Um, I've got them now. They're home now. So now I can I can practice this really good brain health for them of making sure they're out in nature two hours a day. And that is allowed in most states, I think maybe in all states, um, except maybe in hotspot areas, it is allowed for, for families to go out and for kids to go out and play at parks uh, as long as they're all in the same family. So I think it's really important that that we take control of that and say, for health reasons, our child is going to be out in nature um, unless it's inclement. They're going to be out there, and and you know, I want to make I want to make a both and on on chores and sacred work. We talked before and about sacred work and how important it is, especially now in a time of crisis that. Every child has sacred work and sacred duties that they do every day, you know, for the preservation of their family, um, especially as people are unemployed and it just gets so un- more and more difficult. Well, let's take raking the yard. So let's say that that's sacred work for this child. It's spring now, so there's a lot of that going on. So that's sacred work. I would like to, and that's happening out in nature, I would st- I, I would still love to see if it's possible for that hour of raking to be added on to the two hours of exercise outside. It may not be able to be, but that would give three hours would be great, you know, where a child is outside exercising, a child is playing outside with free play, a child is riding the bike for 20 minutes, um, you know. A child, you know, all of this adds up to two hours outside, and then some raking. But if it if it, it can't be, if the raking's inside the two hours, okay, fair enough. It's still sacred work. It's inside the two hours. Um, uh, d- you know, really get into that concept, parents, of two hours a day. I'm gonna try to get them outside, and inside that will be exercise, and so that will help with the other thing that maybe we're about to talk about, which is which is that you know we got to get our kids exercising. A lot yes. of them aren't doing sports now, so they got to be exercising that that two hours a day. So there can be overlap there. Yeah, and and in addition to uh, being outside, uh, going on walks together, and so on, you also reference how important it is to take some time uh, once or twice a day uh, to meditate or just to slow the brain down a little bit and let the brain rest. And that happens a lot of times just on a, a nice quiet walk outside. So, so when we talk about rest or meditation, it doesn't necessarily have to be sitting down with our legs crossed and our hands clasped together. Uh, there are different ways to meditate, which is important for the brain. Yeah, we people can do walking meditations, as you've described. Um, I sometimes, you know, I'm a writer and I get up every day and I write. And I've noticed that, that especially if I'm writing poetry, that it, I, it's a writing meditation. Like I am clearly in a meditative state, uh, similar, and, and a lot of this happening in the temporal lobe, you know, it's it's similar for me to if I were in a walking meditation or if I were, you know, in a Zen sitting meditation, there isn't the clearing of the Zen sitting meditation. I'm not cleared, but the other aspects of it feel the same. And I think every human being has a sense of that. We, we generally call it mindfulness now. Yeah. Um, we can call it prayer. I mean, I, I, I'm a person um, who prays, um, who meditates. I mean, whatever people call it, we know what that feels like. And that, that our kids need. 
And in times of crisis, we all need it at any time. We all need it, especially now. I think a really good ritual um, uh, we can do with our kids is to teach them this mindfulness so that, and if they want to do it via a walk, that's fine. A solo walk is fine, but no devices. You know, they, they need to be with themselves um, and in nature. Uh, if they can sit near water, water is really great for meditation, mm. uh, for prayer. Uh, water releases what we call negative ions, which sounds opposite of what they are. They're actually really good for the brain, these negative ions. And so if they can sit near moving water, um, if they can listen, put on uh, just auditory, put on some very, you know, like ocean music, that kind mm. of thing, uh, ocean sounds that can help with meditation, or maybe they need no help. Um, it's really good to get them walking or sitting or doing whatever it is that's a meditation. And video games are not a meditation, you know? <laughs> um, I mean, uh, talking to your teacher in the computer is not a meditation. Meditation is a different part of the brain. Uh, so I, I think one of the opportunities of this crisis and of everyone being together is that parents can can teach kids, if, if life used to be so busy, but now, right, we're all together, parents can teach kids um, mindfulness, meditation, prayer, whatever work, word works for you. Parents can reassert the, those rituals with their kids. And after, you know, a few days, kids really like it. Yeah. I mean, they just go, wow, I, I want to do that again, you know? <laughs> so it's clearly good for the brain. Yeah, and we when we talk about keeping a, a, a brain engaged, we often think it's got to be active, but the rest is just as important as some of the action that comes from reading or from writing or from going for a walk or playing basketball. All of those things will keep our kids' brains engaged during this time. Yeah, and engagement, I love how you make that distinction. Meditation, um, uh, prayer, and mi mindfulness are very engaging. Mm -hmm. The the What happens in the brain is that, so when the brain is active and we're doing something, this, the parietal lobe is active because that's what moves us around in in space, the space around us. It moves our hands around. You know, it's 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 um, uh, that part of the brain. But when you meditate or, or pray or you're mindful, um, the parietal lobe pretty much shuts off. So um, you are disengaging from the world around. Uh, via that parietal lobe shutting off, and more brain activity goes to parts of the temporal lobe, which don't require um, the hands or feet or, or et cetera to be moving. Now, obviously, a walking meditation is involving both, but in a, in a sitting meditation or when you're sitting and praying, um, you're doing that less parietal, more temporal, and, and what your temporal lobe is doing is engaging with so it's still engaging. It's engaging with whatever is the, uh, uh, if you're Eastern, you're going to call it self with a capital S, or we're going to probably call it God, um, uh, higher power. Um, it, 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 you know, one can call it anything. What it is is that part of being that we don't engage with as much when we're busy, but then when we, but we do engage with when we're quiet and it's in that silence that we really know who we are and that is true not just for adults but for children as they do this mindfulness more and more they have more self-confidence they're clearer on who they are right they don't have to rely as much on externals like 
clothing or body image or, you know, these externals that suck them in, especially in adolescence, they don't have to rely as much on that because they are clearer about who they are. And so they're very engaged. They just happen to be very engaged with, with self or with God. Well, Michael, again, it's really good stuff. And I will, for those of you who are, are engaged with our Facebook page, it's Wonder of Parenting. Uh, you can go there, and I will put the link to your blog on there so that people can get all 10 of your points and a lot of uh, information in between all of those points as well. Um, parents, God bless you. Uh, we know that you are um, really in it right now with all these things going on, and we hope that we brought you a little bit of insight and wisdom into how to manage these really important times and what can be transformative times for you and your family. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for your insights. Oh, thanks, Tim. Thanks for making all these things happen, even even in this crisis. Thank yep. you. And thank you, folks, for listening. Uh, please head over to wonderofparenting.com for all the different resources that uh, Michael mentioned. Also, check out our friends from the Center of Place of Hope up in the Seattle area, some of the great resources they have to help keep you sane during this time. And we will be back with you again for our next podcast. Thank you very much. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.